Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Sports Night on the Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Network. I'm Chris Yao, along with Maurice Patton, as always, today on the podcast. We are joined by TWSAA Executive Director Bernard Childress. Mr. Childress, thanks for joining us. Uh, uh, Chris, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, first day of the dead period, Bernard. Um, heard of any violations yet? Oh, no. <laughs> I haven't heard of any violations. Uh, but, uh, definitely talked to some uh, principals as well as superintendents this morning, uh, making sure that they were doing the right things. <laughs> hey, sometimes it's better to get forgiveness than permission, I guess, right? Well, I mean, I don't think it's, it's much of forgiveness with all the things that are going on now with the pandemic and, you know, we're having people ask for exceptions to have graduation, for example, you know, uh, during the dead period and things like that, which definitely is you know, something that we would, you know, approve. Uh, but they were just making sure that athletes could attend events, you know, where coaches would be present like that. So, mm -hmm. you know, all those things are being ironed out today. And I, and I guess that makes sense, kind of a better safe than sorry phone call right there. Much better. We much rather, we would much rather deal with it on the front end than on the back end. You're exactly right. Yeah. Hey, um, I'm sure you're aware last week down here at Columbia Central, we um, had to suspend the last week of football practice leading up to the dead period because of a um, positive COVID-19 test. Speaking of the pandemic, are you aware of any other interruptions based on the pandemic that took place um, leading up to the dead period? Well, uh, not necessarily interruptions like the, the situation that occurred at Columbia Central. Of course, I got the call that morning uh, uh, about the Columbia Central situation, but we have had some other student athletes that have tested positive that uh, one, for example, and I won't even mention the area had tested positive, but he had not even been to practice. Uh, but he was definitely a member of one of the high school football teams. And, but he had been at home quarantining for about a week and did not go to practice. So uh, we, you know, we definitely have heard of other cases. But no, no case has reached the level that it did at Columbia Central where everything had to be shut down. With that being the case, uh, how concerned are you as we come back from dead period with regards to that type of thing? Well, I mean, I think we're very concerned uh, and um, not just, uh, it's not just about athletics, you know. Uh, we're, we're concerned when it comes to the athletic arena. As always, our number one goal is to keep our student athletes uh, safe, uh, but we're working you know, with, you know, doctors that specialize in infectious diseases and they're guiding us. Uh, and what I've said many times is it's not us making the schedule right now. It's the pandemic that's making the schedule. <laughs> it's determining what we do and how we do it. And we're not going to waver from that. We're going to get the advice from the individuals that know what they're talking about. And uh, those are the medical uh, doctors and the experts that, that specialize in infectious diseases. And I think the thing that we feel comfortable with 
is that we not only have people at the local and state level, but we have that national audience right now and we're on meetings. I, I can tell you doing a Zoom meeting with you all right now, uh, but you know, right after this meeting, uh, we're gonna be meeting with uh, the I think we've lost audio there. Yeah. Hey, Bernard, can you still hear us? Because we lost you there. Did I lose y'all? Yeah, yeah. Now you're back. Thank goodness. Um, you were saying that you come out of this Zoom meeting and you're heading into another one? Yeah, we're heading to an another one uh, with uh, uh, Dr. Diamond at Vanderbilt and who's on our National Sports Medicine Advisory Committee with the NFHS, along with Mark Reeves in our office. And we're going to talk, and we feel very comf comfortable that we're getting advice from, and not just at the local and state level, but at the national level as to how we need to proceed. And uh, each time I've done something like this, I've given a shout out to the governor's uh, economic recovery uh, uh, task force who uh, they've been very, very nice to include us in any decisions that they make as to what phase, you know, each county is in and how we proceed athletically. So we're working with several people that makes us comfortable that we're making the right decision for young people. Visiting with TWSAA Executive Director Bernard Childress. Uh, obviously there are different areas of the state where one, it may be more prominent, coronavirus may be more prominent in other areas. Is there a provision where some schools may be able to participate in athletics or is it all or nothing? No, uh, it can't be all or nothing uh, in this situation, uh, Chris, because, uh, you know, we got that and, and continue to get that, especially from coaches. Well, this, uh, uh, even from county to county is different. So-and-so uh, school is being able to practice and we're not being able to do anything in our county. Well, we simply tell them, you got to go by what your local health department, work closely with the people in your area because they know exactly where you are and you've got to make sure that you're doing exactly what those individuals and you're working closely with the health department and of course following the governor's guidelines and uh, the guidelines that the schools set, set themselves as far as uh, when they can practice, when they can participate. And every county is going to be different. Uh, and uh, when we get, and I know you all have heard it, well, it, it has to be all or nothing. Either you're practicing or you're not practicing all across the state. Uh, and, you know, our response to that is how is that fair to a county, for example, I think all the way up until a couple of weeks ago, Hancock, Han I use Hancock County for an example. They had no cases until a couple of weeks ago and they may have had one. How is it fair to the kids in Hancock County who just are hearing about the pandemic to not be able to practice if they, if, you know, if their superintendent and their local health department feels like it's safe for them uh, to be able to, you know, participate in activities. How is that fair to shut them down when, you know, they're not having any issues, you know, at the current time. Right around here in Middle Tennessee, Bernard, it looks like 
particularly um, Metro Nashville and maybe Clarksville, Montgomery County are going to have a tough time getting started up. Um, I know Chris asked, would, would there be provisions, but how, when you've got, particularly for football, because obviously every, we're so football driven, um, certainly don't want to leave out volleyball and girls soccer and everything else that's coming this fall. But the most eyes are on football. As you look at region play, and you've got teams from various counties, some that may have started up, some that may not have, how do you guys see yourselves approaching that, or have you gotten that far along yet? And that's that's such a great question because uh, in the national meeting just Thursday of last week, I think that was discussed probably – we were supposed to have been on the call for an hour and a half. It probably stretched a couple of hours because people were trying to all across the nation were saying basically the same thing when it comes to that regional play in football. What are you going to do if you get a situation where uh, two teams compete on a Friday night and then you find out that a couple of kids tested positive and now you've got to shut everything down and all of those teams have to quarantine. Everyone on the team has to quarantine. We don't even know what those guidelines are going to set going forward because at one time, if you can remember, it says the individuals that test positive had to quarantine. Now they're coming back and saying anyone that has been in contact with that individual for 10 minutes needs to be quarantined for 14 days. We haven't gotten to that point. We don't even know what that's going to look like. Everybody's, you know, discussing it, but, uh, I think it's going to really depend on the guidelines that are set forth, you know, by the CDC and by, you know, the individuals that know a whole lot more about what needs to happen than what we, what we know as far as the medical professionals. And we just got to rely on them to, to make the right decision. But have we gotten to that point? Uh, we've gotten to that point to discuss it. Do we know what we're going to do? I can't give you an answer today. That's understandable completely. Um, I'm not sure if Maurice has any other coronavirus questions uh, necessarily, but I am personally interested as someone who's not from the Middle Tennessee area or and is very limited knowledge of the TWSWA. Can you tell other people who may be in my shoes kind of how you got to uh, fr from Murray County area to being executive director of TWSWA? Well, Chris, uh, you know, instead of just uh, dealing on how I ended up at TFAA, I was a high school coach and principal before I went to the TFAA office as an assistant executive director. And I was an assistant executive director for 14 years before I took over as a director for the last uh, 12 years. But uh, I think there's a lot of people that don't really understand how TFAA works. We're an organization, a nonprofit organization of schools. And I think people think that, you know, that I always said that office on Lebanon Road, we only have 18 people in that service in some 800 and some middle schools and high schools. But they write their own rules and regulations. They just ask us to enforce what they want. I mean, we make recommendations to them, uh, you know, at times when we see things that, you know, could possibly change in the bylaws, but all of our rules and regulations are written by the 
member schools themselves. They just ask us to enforce what they what they want. You know, um, obviously the coronavirus has been the biggest thing on your plate since mid-March, I would imagine. I'm not even sure if there's been anything else on your plate. But, um, you know, going back to the fall, there was a pretty high-profile um, eligibility situation regarding a um, – a school that has some opponents in our coverage area. How much of that, how much eligibility stuff have you dealt with here over the past two, three months? Oh, I think we deal with eligibility questions, if not, uh, you know, every single day. There's always, because now with all of us having that, you know, everyone having access to our email addresses and everything, uh, we're constantly asking, you know, uh, answering questions from parents, if not from administrators, about the possibility of a kid transferring here or there, you know, eligibility questions. And what we try to say to our schools is ask us on the front end. If you have any situation whatsoever that, that is questionable, pick up the phone and call us, email us, let's talk about and, and get the interpretation of whether the kid's gonna be eligible or ineligible. We, again, we wanna deal with all of these situations on the front end and not get into a situation on the back end like you talked about the situation in the fall of last year where you know you find out the kid is ineligible and then all of a sudden schools have to end up forfeiting the contest because that's not, that's not even fair to the other kids on, on whichever team that is. And trust me, we don't go to work every day to deal with situations like that. Our job is, and I say this to our staff all the time, our job is to make kids eligible to participate. We're about participation and about, we want those participation numbers up, but we got to do that within the confines of the rules. And if there's any rule that we can use to make a kid eligible, that's what we do. We don't go to, go to work every day to try to get kids ineligible to participate. Speaking of that, um, Legislative Council back this spring, I think it was, dealt with a rule that uh, has has drawn a lot of attention over the past years. You guys got rid of the All-Star rule. Yeah, and, 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 and it was time. I mean, uh, when you look at the All-Star participation rule and the way it was written and making kids ineligible if they participate in All-Stars, we have so many All-Star events that were occurring. Uh, but the inconsistency is what uh, was causing us a problem, and especially, and you know, you've been in it uh, long enough, Maurice, to know how we dealt with baseball. And that mm -hmm. was the one that was, you know, uh, in summer baseball, kids were, and, and just didn't think it was consistent when you said one kid, if we were invited to an all-star game, if that school hadn't started in the summer, that they could participate, but if your school had started in the fall, then you got invited to the same All-Star game, you could not participate. I mean, that to us just didn't make sense. And, um, you know, I think it boiled down to, this is educational athletics, we're about school sports, you know, why do we really care if parents really want their kids to participate in an event and the coaches are fine with it, why should we be dictating to them that they can't participate in an event like that? So I think it was a good change. Uh, the council, and there was, that was one that we as a staff proposed 
but the schools voted on it in the regional meetings in November, overwhelmingly voted to do away with it. And I think it's gonna be a good change for the, for the association. Absolutely, once again, talking with TWSAA Director Bernard Childress, uh, it's, it seems like we all are kind, exactly like you just said, you are in the business of helping participation and keeping it at a high level. Have you been happy with the way that high school athletics has allowed more kids to participate in, you know, two or three more sports, you know, instead of just the focusing on one, it seems like lately everybody's kind of opened up and said, Hey, multi-sport athletes are really positive. What, what's, uh, what's been your take on that? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. We encourage multi-sport participation and, you know, specialization, you know, was pretty much, almost taking over high school sports for a while, but I think it's kind of sh shifting in a, a different direction because there's so many parents that feel like their kid is going, in order for them to receive athletic scholarships, so to speak, in a specific, in a certain sport, that they have to specialize in that sport. And it's just, just the opposite to that. Uh, when you talk to college coaches, for example, and, uh, they are looking for athletes who are well-rounded and uh, who, you know, who play or uh, participate in, in, in different sports because every sport teaches you something different. Uh, we're not about, you know, preparing kids to play college sports anyway because 98% of our uh, student athletes are not going to go on and play at the next level. Uh, yeah, that 2% that's going to do that you know, they have the talent to, and, you know, and the gift to go ahead and, and work hard and, and, and participate at that level. But we want to enhance the student's education by providing activities that will, you know, basically get them to love school. And I, I use this analogy all the time. I said, believe it or not, every kid doesn't go to school uh, uh, <laughs> To learn, they learn because they in school. Sure. My job is to provide activities to get them there, and the more activities they can get involved with, especially athletics, we already know because there's been studies done. And one study that I always you know talk about is the one from the University of Michigan years ago, where they said students who participate in athletics, those are the ones that you know have low attendance rates, all the things that we try to to do and we want kids to, uh, as far as uh, uh, numbers are concerned, those kids are the ones that go to school regularly. They go, they score high on the SAT, ACT and standardized tests. Those are the ones that graduate, go on to college, graduate and come back and they are successful in their communities and they contribute to society. That's what this is all about for us is that we're trying to make kids well-rounded enough to know that you go on and you, your ultimate goal is to be successful in life. Absolutely. That's, that's what you see. You know, obviously with, like you said, eligibility rules that you have to 
do well in school in order to participate in athletics. So it's very important. And that's, that's a motivating factor for a lot of kids. I, I know I've seen it, you know, we all have. Yeah. But, and, go ahead. And I was just on a conversation with superintendents just last week and asked, and you know, they wanted an update as to where we were, you know, in fall sports. But my question to them was, let's, let's put sports to the side. Let's start with the foundation of why we exist, and that is to enhance the education of young people to help you all enhance their education. What are we going to do about starting school? <laughs> That's the question we have is, is schools going to, you know, are schools going to start on time? Uh, you're going to be in on, on an abbreviated schedule. Can you tell us anything about what that classroom setting looks like? And so we'll have, I mean, it's just so many things to this pandemic that we're having to, you know, try to filter through to get some answers. Sure. We, hey, we're, we're visiting with TWSWA Executive Director Bernard Childress, a Colombian native, um, Columbia Central Hall of Famer. And Bernard, before we let you go, um, we've kind of come full circle here. You mentioned in answer to what will high school athletics look like this fall, your question is, what will high school look like this fall? Um, is it almost paramount that kids actually physically be in the school building in order for athletes to take athletics to take place? Or do you see a remote learning situation that would still allow athletics? Or how would you see that? Oh. Again, another great question, uh, Maurice. I think we'll see a combination of both uh, because, again, I think the options are being given to students, you know, as we speak is that, you know, you can come to school and, you know, on, on a, and attend face-to-face, -face, or if you do not feel comfortable with that, then there may be some schools and school systems and especially some many of our independent schools that are going to um, provide uh, classwork virtually, uh, it will not affect students' eligibility if they are, you know, for some reason uncomfortable and they are in a school, enrolled in, in regular attendance in that school, and actually are taking classes virtually for a while that student is still, we're going to have to work through that with schools and we have to talk to them about it, but those students are still going to be eligible to participate. So do they absolutely have to be in school on a day-to-day -day basis? Uh, the answer to that is no, but school has to be in session and they have to be in count, uh, enrolled in that school and taking classes from that school in order to participate. That sounds great. Thanks again so much for joining us. It has been a pleasure to have you. I uh, want to make special mention of all of our sponsors, uh, Custom Stone Handlers, uh, Columbia Academy. We appreciate them. And uh, we are going to continue to bring you local sports in uh, southern middle Tennessee and area, especially obviously, you know, concentrating on Murray County and that local area so thank you guys so much for joining us and we uh, look forward to talking with you and, and keeping you updated throughout the week on sm-tnsports.com follow us on facebook uh, instagram twitter and all social media we appreciate it once again for maurice Patton. Um, thank you once again to bernard childress director of twsaa 
And thank you once again to you guys. I'm Chris Yao. You guys have a great day.